0: Welcome back to the third and final part in this Therapeutic Parenting Podcast special from the COECT's November 2021 conference. I'm your podcast host, Serena Gay, and I attended this full day of talks and discussions with the prime aim of bringing listeners to the podcast the highlights from the day. You can also listen to recordings of the live speeches and discussions from the COECT website. In this episode, we're talking to Managing Director of the National Association of Therapeutic Parenting, Rosie Jeffries, about how therapeutic parenting helped her find happiness in motherhood. We'll also be talking to Emma Edwards, the Director of the COECT's The Haven, and the effects on exhausted and traumatised people of havening techniques. And on the same theme of essential self-care, we'll hear from Lindsay Bodman, an NATP volunteer who has very clear advice on how to preserve your strength and sanity through the hard moments of adoption and fostering. Rosie Jeffries has appeared before on this podcast and she was a key member of the organisational team behind the success on the day. But she also found time to go up on stage with her colleague Sarah Dillon who we heard from in the first of our three-part conference special. They discussed issues and solutions for parents who are also abuse survivors. Both Rosie and Sarah are survivors themselves, and to have to recount their experiences in public is no easy thing. Far from it. But as she told me afterwards, Rosie emerged from this with a sense of positivity, about breaking the cycle of abuse.
1: For me, especially, was a message of hope. Children can experience trauma. They can have horrendous pasts. It not look positive for a while, but therapeutic parenting really does put those foundations in and you start to see the child, or becoming a young adult, peering out like an iceberg. And then when they get into the stage of being a parent, everything that you've put in ultimately breaks a cycle of neglect and abuse, which means they become good parents, they become safe parents, and they ultimately are doing the best job that they can possibly do with everything they've been given and all the tools that they have. You do come
0: from a, a very difficult background,
1: but you were given a second chance
0: with Sarah Nash as your mother to you and your four other siblings. And so it must be, in a sense, for her, a cause for pride to see how you now are behaving as a mother.
1: And that is exactly what everybody says to me. And I always find it really funny because during the presentation, we were talking about various things and resilience being one of them. And Sarah shared her story, and it's slightly different to mine. And she was sharing her resilience. And I explained that I am a resilient person, But I wouldn't have been a resilient person without the backing, without the propping up and without absolutely everything my mum did as a parent with therapeutic parenting and always reminded me that actually I deserve to have this life. I was entitled to have a nice life, be a good parent and not be the same as uh, my birth parents and know what love is and be able to love a child and not feel that I'm going to abuse them or hurt them or do wrong. We'll have our bad days as well. So that's different. And that's what she taught me, that there is the difference between, you know, having a mum meltdown and struggling to being an abuser. And right at the beginning, I did have a lot of wobbles around that because I felt that my past was going to creep up on me. Five years in, it hasn't yet, luckily. (laughs) So
0: do you ever sort of look at your parenting and see aspects of the therapeutic strategies that were applied to you and you enacting
1: them with your child? Yes. (laughs) Funnily enough, there are, so recently my son, unfortunately, you know, being British and there've been American programs and there's a difference of accent. And my mum always used to correct me and say you know don't forget your teas and he's lately been going potato potato and I'm like um Arthur potato potato so I don't feel that it's necessarily therapeutic parenting that's seeping in I think it's her nurture her personality her traits and and everything that I admire about her and I remember laughing to myself you know because I thought as a child well I would you know what's wrong with that and I would never do that and now I'm giggling to myself thinking I'm exactly the same as my mum and if she's smiling with pride, so am I.
0: Listening in the audience to Rosie and Sarah was Marita. I think that last session um, with Sarah and Rosie about children surviving abuse become parents. I'm sort of a survivor of abuse and I've become a foster parent and broken that cycle and obviously they have and I want to be able to help my children do that, my foster children do that. And and did you... Pick up anything in particular that you might implement now. I think probably one of the biggest things at the moment with how I feel at the moment is the self-care, looking after myself so that I can look after them to the best of my ability. It wasn't only Marita who appreciated the way the day was structured to encourage self-care amongst adoptive and foster parents. Lindsay Bodman is an NATP volunteer with a special interest in self-care and how all parents need to think about it, so as not simply to make their lives bearable,
2: but to enrich their world. Self-care is kind of the term you hear everywhere, but we like to call it essential care at NATP, and I think it just tells you about how vital it is, it's as important as the air we breathe, the food that we put into our bodies. And if we don't essential care every day, we get into quite a sticky place. It's something I've been passionate about for a lot of years. I didn't really know what it was called, but it's what I've always had in my life. So it's, there's just so many pressures on us um, as parents, as humans, during the global pandemic that's gone on for two years. And if we don't look after our mind and our body and do little things that brings us great joy we forget about ourselves and that is pushed out of our day and our lives and that's when we start getting quite poorly and run down and some of you will be foster parents some of you will be special guardians some of you will work and supporting families from trauma I'm an adopted parent there are many pressures on us all and working with children or living with children from trauma brings just so many extra levels of stress We have to have more meetings than regular families who don't parent children from trauma. We have to fight with school. We have to fight with doctors, everybody, to try and get our children's needs heard. And that's the right thing to do, but we get forgotten. And if you're not going for a walk, you're not meeting a friend for coffee, you're not taking part in an exercise class on Zoom, whatever brings you joy, then that's when things can go really quite rapidly downhill.
0: And can you speak from personal experience here that you didn't look after yourself properly and things started
2: to go wrong or have you always looked after yourself? It's something that personally I have to fight for every day. I like to think about it as you have to roll out the real role of barbed wire to protect your time and if it's not something you've thought about before, you just need to start with five minutes a day, five minutes for you. Sometimes in the school holidays or with the level of need of our children, we do need to maybe include the children initially, make a warm drink, sit in colour, do some mindfulness apps together when they're at school or if we've got someone to help with them. Then we can put in extra layers for ourselves. So for me, I know when I'm going to go downhill is when I've not really protected my essential care. So I need to walk every day, at least six miles. I love to punch the punch bag. I love to do something creative. That's really important too. So I like to bake, cook, make something out of woodwork. But I don't do all this in one day. (laughs) You have to diary it in. So if you have a friend that you want to see, sometimes you need to put that in your diary. If you've got a partner, you need to diary it with our children. There's so many pulls on our time that you have to write these things in your diary. Well, why not do it for your self-care? That's actually more important because you can't do the other things without looking after yourself. So you you work with NETP. Tell us what your top tips are for self-care. Well, I'm a volunteer, so I'm not on the team. But my top tips are, start small if you don't do it already. Think about what brings you joy. Write down five things that you do like to do or you used to do and try and fit one of those in the day. Get out in nature. This is something that Jane Mitchell's passionate about as well. Um, even if it's standing out on the step because you're walking at home, walk around the block, go to a forest park, take the kids on a scooter ride, somewhere where you like to look at the trees or pond or feed the ducks. Get in nature, that really is so calming. And also try and put some maybe walking around, moving around kind of timing, round the block, go for a walk, meet a friend, bike ride. But find something creative too. There must be something that you like to do, read, write poetry, build something. Um, And when you spark that, it really lifts you. And thankfulness as well. I think if you can be thankful for something, then it, it really taps into your whole being. So it is multifaceted, really. It's things that make make you joyful, lift you, give you some time to just be you. And yeah, be thankful. There's something we can always be thankful for. Put some food in the food bank. Um, Look at a picture that your child drew. Maybe it was a few weeks ago. Maybe it was last year when things were a bit easier. But look back at that and reflect. And take photos on your mobile phone. I do that, of nature, of things that the kids have done. So when things are really tricky and you feel like giving up, you can look back and see something that raises it up again. And meet a friend or talk on Zoom. Don't forget your friendships because when we do that, are we... We just push ourselves out of the whole scenario. Then we go rapidly down into compassion fatigue. And you're worth it. You're really worth it. And you might not believe it today. I didn't believe it last year. But you are so worth it. And you're doing an amazing job because parenting our children from trauma or supporting families, you might be a professional, is Olympic style. It really is. it It's like a marathon, not a walk. And you've got to look after you. Start small look for our tips on our Facebook page and search for my name, Lindsay, and you'll find some old posts that maybe you'll just get your juices flowing. But you've got to put you first.
0: As Lindsay was saying, you've got to put you first. And also present on the day this year was Emma Edwards with an important message on how to do just that. Over to Emma
3: my name's Emma Edwards, and I'm the director of the Haven Parenting and Wellbeing Centre, and we focus on
0: reducing parental compassion fatigue and parental wellbeing. So I'm actually fascinated by what goes on in the Haven. I think a lot of people need to have it demystified. What do you do? Okay, so we focus,
3: our main focus is um, Havening Techniques, and Havening Techniques is a psychosensory therapy which is based on natural touch, which enhances the data waves in the brain. It replicates slow-wave sleep. By applying the natural touch, it replicates the slow-wave sleep, which is the repair sleep that we go to at night. Um, that repairs the body. With Havening, we specialise in parental triggers and trauma, and we ask the um, client to activate the trauma or the memory of the trauma and really connect with it. So by connecting with it, it activates the neurons in the brain and we then use a distraction technique. So we may ask the um, client to talk about their favorite holiday. We might use a bit of guided visualization, we might ask them to do some counting to get the different parts of the brain working. And by doing that, while supplying the Haven in Touch, it decalcifies the linked trauma in the brain and helps release the emotional feeling towards that particular trauma.
0: It actually has the physical effect then of decalcification. Mm, yes. That's incredible. Now how do we know that that's the case? How do we know this decalcification takes place? Well, what
3: we do is afterwards, we ask the um, client to reconnect with that initial feeling that they did at the beginning. And usually after seven minutes of applying the Havening technique, they find it it reduces so by doing more havening it can go down to um, a zero so they don't connect to that feeling at all describe to me that the physical aspects of the of this therapy how does it work the havening touch is a gentle stroke across the forehead and down the cheeks it can be from like giving yourself a hug, so from your shoulders down to your elbows. You brush gently in a rhythmic, or you can gently rub your hands together like you're washing your hands. And it's being proven via research that
0: those are the three areas that create the most outer waves. So people would come in, they would they would go through a session, they'd leave, they'd feel a lot better already. Are they expected then to carry on doing certain actions themselves when, once yeah, they're can, not so- there? You can self-haven
3: once you've had the initial havening session to sort of top up. It can be used not just for trauma, it can be used for resilience, it can be used for sleep. Some people use it to help with weight loss. So there's a, a huge array of what it can be used for. And it can be really good just to sort of top up those feel-good feelings.
0: I'm just thinking here how how incredibly effective this must be for the kinds of people that the Centre of Excellence in Child Trauma helps Is it, would you say, particularly helpful for for your clients? Absolutely. We have clients that
3: are triggered by some of our children's behaviours and they come to us and they take part in our Three Steps to Connect programme, which incorporates Havening. And by doing that, they can remove their triggers and we usually find that it's due to something that's happened to them in the past. So we delve deep and um, identify the root cause of it and then once they they're able to access logical thinking and they're not reacting emotionally to those triggers
0: then we offer strategies and solutions what it strikes me about it about this technique is that it's incredibly non-invasive but it's just incorporating sort of kind gentle touch is that how you see it Absolutely.
3: And it's based on the touch you may um, apply to your child when they're going to sleep. So to soothe a a distressed child, you may gently brush their forehead or down their cheeks to calm them. And
0: that's sort of the touch we use. So perhaps it was originally inspired by what goes on between a parent and a child when the child's in distress or in need of a bit of kindness Is that where the initial sort of inspiration for the technique came from? Um, I believe it was initially created to help people with fears of dentists. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) And how long has the Haven been operating with the COECT?
3: It's been operating independently since December 2020, but for two years previous to that, it was part of the Inspire
0: Training Group. And it's set to continue? Absolutely. How many people do you think you've treated then in this time? Over the three years, probably hundreds,
3: because we did a lot of um, free sessions during COVID and lockdown. We did it via Zoom, so we can coach the clients through the Haven in Touch and use the distractions via um, Zoom calls.
0: And if you're listening and you haven't tried it already, I hope that what Emma had to say has inspired you to give it a go. And so that's a taste of the action at this year's COECT's November 2021 conference, engagingly entitled Survival Strategies for Therapeutic Parents From Chaos to Cake. For my own part, I thought people were genuinely uplifted by what they heard, by the conversations they had, and by the new coping strategies they were able to take away, not to mention from the other people they were able to meet. If you can make it to next year's conference, well, I think you might find it incredibly helpful too. Now, don't forget that you'll be able to access recordings from the day itself via the COECT's website. But let's give the last word to the NATP's Rosie Jeffries.
1: Yeah it's been a fantastic day I was a little apprehensive once we pressed that green light and we were live because we've also broadcasted it and it is available to anyone to watch um, the day has gone well we've had laughter, we've had tears we've had discussions, we've had debates and ultimately everyone's come here for the same outcome which is better outcomes for children and I've never been happier to be in a room where that was certainly what came across and I've thoroughly enjoyed it.